Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Hello there. Well, I, I, I'm, um, I, I must admit that I have a little bit of, uh, of trepidation about this episode today, um, and I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of meditation and, and, and really some soul-searching, and I... I think it's, it goes without say that we are in a, a very unique moment in, uh, in, in church history in the past few years. And I think that there's been a lot of really good work and very courageous work that's been done in recognizing um, just abuses uh, of the church in the past. And, and, and some of those wrongs are starting to be righted uh, these days. And I, and I think that if you look at what's going on in, in various uh, evangelical circles regarding the role of women and gender identity um, and sexual minorities and, and things like that, I think you'd have to agree with me. Whatever side you fall on, we're having conversations that the church has not had at least the church in America, and these are important conversations because we want to make sure that the church is a safe place for our um, ethnic minority brothers and sisters in Christ, our our female brothers and sisters in Christ, and our sexual minority brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's other groups as well that have been historically marginalized, that have been that have been unfairly targeted. As if they did not bear the image of God, and and, I, and I've been thinking about my own past and and some of the um, minorities that that I've been associated with, and and really the broken people that I've been associated with in the past, and and I think that the church really needs to reckon with the reality that it has not been a welcoming place for everybody, and so I I, I, I want to to ask you to come with me one mile. And perhaps um, in, in asking, you'll come with me too and, and hear about the, um, the minority group that I want to talk about today. And as we know, as, as, as Jesus taught, that a good tree always bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And I want to ask you, I want to, I want to, I want to, before I reveal what I'm talking about, I want to ask you, um, can this be good fruit? Can this be good fruit? You know, the group that I'm talking about today, um, many of them struggle with depression. Depression, there's lots of high rates of suicide in this group as well. You know, in fact, when you look at, at, at the suicides that happen, 40% of this, of this group has, has uh, 40% of suicides belong to this group as, as well. And, and I don't think that, that any, any rational person would, would say that that's good fruit. You know, people that belong to this group often feel marginalized, often feel like they're cast aside, often feel like they're on the fringes of our societies and, and, and trying to, you know, people tend to want to put them away and, and into, into little communities where they can all be together and, and things like that. And, and, and this group is really is, is demonized oftentimes in our churches. And, I, you know, I, I, I can't help but ask the question. I think it's worth asking. Is that good fruit? Is that good fruit when a community, an entire community of people made in the image of God are marginalized by our churches? 
Can that be true theology, theology that, that makes people feel depressed, that makes people feel hopeless, that doesn't allow them to be full brothers in our communities, in our church communities? Is that possibly good fruit? You know, there's entire words that are used to marginalize this group. And I've, I've, I've heard them from, 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 from communities that I've felt like, you know, had good theology, had, had a good community going on, but, but still, even in, in the best of our churches, they're marginalized, they're, they're, they're slandered, they're looked at as the other. And I, and I ask you, I want to ask you to really think about this. Is this good fruit? You know, this community has been, often been looked at as if they have nothing to offer. There's no treasure that they can bring into the new Jerusalem. But it's simply not true. And even I, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I identified in, in this community for a while. And, and even I have been taught that, that I had nothing to bring with me from that community, from that group that was valid. None of it. And I, I, I went against my, my own instinct. I went against my own... Um, spirit, um, and I knew better, but 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 I was taught that, that if I wanted to be a good Christian, I had to reject these things. But I, I ask you if that's true today. Now, the group I want to talk about today, it's, it's known by many names. It's known by many names. Freaks. Druggies. Addicts. Drug culture. But I'm going to call it today chemically dependent minorities. Look, the reality is that in our churches, we have many chemically dependent brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to recognize their full humanity. We need to recognize that there are things that they can bring to the table in the life and of the church. Um, of course, we, 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 we want to just at the outset say that, that, that it, it, the orthodox belief is that you cannot um, in, uh, practice drunkenness of course, and you cannot practice, um, you know, you know, doing these drugs that alter your mind. Like, like you, you, you can't be, you can't be um, given over to that stuff. Well, that, that's 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 true. Of course, we we if if we're alcoholics, we must abstain from getting drunk. We we must reject drunkenness. That's of course, of course. I'm not I'm not talking about that. But what what I am talking about is what what good aspects of addiction. What good aspects of drug culture can we bring into the New Jerusalem? Because there are unique gifts that God has given drug culture that the church really needs right now. In fact, there are many addicts that I, I look at as prophets sent by God, and, 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 and they have unique gifts that the church really needs to take a look at. But instead, up until now, the church has maligned these people, maligned these communities as if they weren't vibrant, as if they had nothing to offer um, the community of faith. And, and I just think that that is just a real travesty. I really do. I really do. You know, I even heard one pastor, a, a guy that, that I've come to respect so much and I've learned so much from, and he even 
and 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 he he kind of sees himself as sort of he, he used to be um, 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 addicted to certain um, drugs and things like that. He's he's a chemically dependent Christian, but he denies that that label. He denies that label, and he even said that there's an Old Testament word, and and this is just it's just a, it just it, it maligns this community. He said that that this is sorcery. People that use mind-altering drugs, he called that sorcery. And that's a word that just shuts down conversation. When you use that kind of a word, it shuts down conversation. It, it maligns the other person. It makes us feel like we are less than human. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're a chemically dependent brother and sister in Christ, you have a lot to offer the church. You really do. You know, one of the things I was thinking about when, um, when I... Uh, when I, when I was coming to the realization that chemically dependent Christians um, need to have a voice in the church is just the, 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 the true community that exists in drug culture. You know, I, I, I have some of my fondest memories. I, you know, well, let's just be honest. I, I remember only parts of it. <laughs> I only remember parts of it, you know, but, you know, because drugs sometimes will, will, will lead to sort of, you know, misremembering things but but some of my fondest memories some of the deepest most impactful conversations i've ever had in my life came when i was hanging out with other drug users we were we were doing um various types of drugs i remember one instance in particular where we were on mushrooms and um you know we we were just having just the most deep intimate conversations that i've ever imagined i've never felt like i belonged more and when me and my other drug friends, chemically dependent friends, were on mushrooms and we were talking about the deep things in life and it was real and it was, and it was raw and, and, we, and we didn't hold anything back. There was no pretense there. I remember looking over, uh, we were watching... Um, we were watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and you know we, that's another thing that that's so great. I mean, you know, you, you you can just you can all sort of get together about something that you all enjoy and and just really talk about. It. I remember looking over at the TV, and and Uncle Phil um, kind of appeared to me. I mean, obviously my mind was was not all there, but he appeared to me to be coming out of the TV, and I was terrified. Now, I'm, again, I'm not condoning not being sober-minded because, of course, the Orthodox faith says well, you, you can't be drunk with wine. You need to be sober-minded. So don't hear me saying that this is okay. I'm just, what I want to emphasize, though, is the care and the love that I experienced in that moment because I was terrified of Uncle Phil coming out of the television, and I really was scared. And, 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 and my friends, my, 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 my community saw the fear in my eyes, and they rushed to my aid. They didn't, they didn't look at me as if I was an other. They didn't, they didn't look at me as if I was less than a human. They helped me. And, and then that, that's one of the things, that's one of the pieces of drug treasure that we can bring into the New Jerusalem, that love that drug addicts often ex express for each other. It's a deep, honest, helpful love. It's kind. They were so kind to me. And that, this is, I'm sure that if you're a chemically dependent Christian, you have stories like this that you can relate where your drug friends really cared for you in a moment of need. That community, that, that community that exists in drug culture. I, another example, I mean, you might not know this, but, but, you know, oftentimes in drug culture, you will share drugs. 
you'll, you'll share the chemicals that, that you're dependent on. And, and in that kind of a sharing, I just, I can't help but think of the community in Acts where they had all things in common. Nothing was, no, no one, no one was saying, no, 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 that's mine. It, it was, it's not like that in drug, drug culture. And so I, I just, I can't help but, but see drug culture reflected in the Acts community where they had all things in common. But of course, the church today is, is emphasizing private property and, 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 and this is mine and, and, and things like that. And, and I, I just, I, I, look, again, I'm not saying that, that you can be drunk or you can do drugs and, and get, have your mind all altered. But what I am saying is that we have real drug treasure that we can take into the New Jerusalem. And this is one of those things drug culture does community so much better than our churches i remember joining a church after i after i um uh, um no long after i became a christian i joined a church and and they had uh, what they think these things called community groups and then you know that's you know worship on sunday and then you go to your community group during the week at some point and i just couldn't i, I longed for the real community but the community group just felt so forced, and you know, and we, it, it, it just, there's so much pretense, and it wasn't really community, it was just kind of like we're forced to read this book or to watch this video, and, and the conversation felt forced and things like that. Look, I think the church has a lot to learn from drug culture when it comes to community, because in drug culture, community isn't forced. And I just worry that, that look, we, you know, we want people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ. We want them to stop um, altering their mind. We want them to be sober-minded. But I worry that if we don't glean from drug culture, this real, honest, true community, drug-dependent um, brothers and sisters are going to go back to the drug communities instead of staying with our churches. So we have a lot to learn from that true community in drug culture. You know, the other thing is, too, that if, if you if you look back and um, look at drug culture, there, there's just so much creativity and art and beauty that drug culture produces. And again, I have to emphasize, it's honest. There's no pretense. It's not flowery. It's it's real. Drug, I mean, just drug art. If, if, if you look at some some of your favorite musicians, they're part of drug culture. Some of your favorite artists, if you look consistently again and again, they are part of drug culture. Some of your favorite poets and movies and authors were part of drug culture. And there's so much creativity in this culture. And I think that the church really needs that right now, creativity. And so we can bring that drug culture into the church. Again, I want to emphasize that, that I, I affirm the orthodox belief that we need to be sober-minded as Christians. Of course, of course we do. But let's not let the, the, the command to be sober-minded tell us that drug culture has nothing to offer the church. Because it does. And I challenge you, I challenge you to, to make friends with drug addicts and to participate in the good parts of drug culture. I urge you to do it. Because drug culture has a lot to offer. We can bring that drug treasure into the church.
you know, the beginning of this, of this presentation, I told you that, that that's just depression and suicide rates are very high in the drug community. And it's, is it no wonder? I mean, we don't allow, we don't allow drug people, drug culture into our churches. I mean, again, it's the church. Why, why wouldn't there be depression? We don't affirm their humanity by affirming the good aspects of drug culture in our churches. I mean, do we allow for people to, to, to come in and, and really be open about their drug dependency in our churches? Do we allow it? Or do we pretend like this is the ultimate sin, that, that it's, it's worse than all the others? Is that, is that how we treat drug culture? You see, it's not, it's not, any, it's not any surprise to me that, that, that drug addicts are so depressed when the church, the, the place where they're supposed to be safe, the place where they're supposed to be loved, is telling them that they can't be who they are in their church. That they must spurn cult, the drug culture that they have thought and found so much identity in. For many of these people, drug culture is the place where they feel like people they feel like they belong. And we're telling them that they must spurn that in order to come to Christ. Is it no wonder that the suicide rates for drug addicts are so high? Now remember how I started this. Does a good tree produce bad fruit? And if the, the tree of the church is producing depression and anxiety and suicide, then I ask you, is that it, are we a good tree? You see, we, may, we need to love our drug-dependent, chemically-dependent brothers and sisters in Christ by affirming that which is good within drug culture, bringing it into church, learning from it. I mean, how arrogant must you be to say we cannot sit at the feet of a chemically-dependent Christian and learn? They have a lot to teach us about how to do community. They have a lot to teach us about love. Because many of them have experienced a deep, honest, no pretension love in their drug communities. So they have much to teach us about that in the church. And so I ask you to think of the other ways that drug culture and drug treasure can be brought into the new Jerusalem. I ask you to love your neighbor as yourself, even if that neighbor is a chemically dependent Christian. Now I know I'm going to take a lot of flack for this. I know that there are going to be discernment ministries and blogs and slander that's going to be directed my way because of this stand that I'm taking for chemically dependent Christianity and drug culture treasure brought into the New Jerusalem, I understand that. But I'll tell you what, I would much rather every Christian hang out within drug culture and to hang out with drug addicts. And even, I would much rather them even dabble a little bit with some of the benefits of some of these drugs and some of these chemicals. Because let's just be honest, I mean, we can't go overboard. I get it, I get it. We can't go overboard. But there's a lot of value in some of these drugs. And so 
I would much rather someone dabble with that and maybe make a mistake in drug culture than I would allow you to read that slander, that mean-spirited, evil slander that says that we must spurn um, these things, that we must, we must um, flee from these things. I'd much rather do the, do the honorable thing and, and, and love these people. Make, maybe make a mistake there. I'd much rather love these people than to be a Pharisee. Once again, I will say it. Drug culture has much to offer in the New Jerusalem. What you just listened to was supposed to be satire. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network.